Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church sermon podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. We invite you to find your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. As you're turning there, let's talk fences. We got a fence here. Let's talk fences. Fences, they come in all kinds of shapes and styles and sizes. Some may be short, some may be small, some are nearly transparent. Some may be decorative or elegant or aesthetically pleasing to have around your house. Some may be tall and sturdy. Some walls may be like a fortress. But regardless of the characteristics of the fence, what is a fence designed to do? It's designed to either keep something in or keep something out. In one of the houses we lived at growing up, there was a fence that went around the backyard. In the front yard, it was always kept nice up there, really nice. The grass was always neatly cut. The bushes were trimmed up. And mom always had some flowers planted in the flower beds. There were times it really looked like the cover of a real estate brochure. Or maybe a picture that you would find in a home and garden magazine. But that was the front yard. However, on the other side of the fence, in that backyard, things, well, they were slightly different back there. The grass was cut but not nearly as often. And all of our toys and our bikes and our stuff, that was all laying around in the backyard, as well as our swing set and the shed. When we were younger, our parents, they preferred us playing in the backyard because they knew where we would always be. The grill was back there, as well as the picnic table. And we'd have meals back there sometimes. I remember at one point in our life, we actually had a dog. And when you were back there, try as hard as we could. We had to watch where we walked in the yard, but we always stepped in some stuff. Yeah, we had to watch out for number one, or we'd step in number two. That was the backyard. And the fence, the fence that we had there, that was the separation point between that front and the back. It was like a barrier, a barrier between the front, what everyone was allowed to see in our yard and the back of the house, which was private. It's where we lived. It's where life happened for our family. Now, you're probably all wondering, what in the world do fences have to do with our lesson this morning? Well, let me just explain that. This morning we're in week two of our series called I Love My Church. And before we're done today, you're going to see how this concept, how fences, how they will play a big part in the scheme of God's plan for us in the church and his desire for us to live a life that is connected, to live a life in community with one another. How in God's plan, as the title of our message today says, community matters. You see, God wants us. He wants us to live a connected life with each other. And he wants us to be connected with one another and with him. God wants us to know this thing called true community among the believers. And what do fences have to do with that? That's what we're going to talk about. Please stand in honor of reading God's word. We're in Hebrews chapter 10. I'll be reading verses 19 through 25. This is what it says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful." 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you for its truth. God, your Bible is infallible. And we just know that, God. And we just thank you that you've given it to us to help us understand how we are to live our lives, how to live a godly Christian life. Lord, as we look at this concept of community today, I pray that you will help us understand what it is we need to do, how it is we're supposed to live with each other and love each other and help each other and serve each other as your children. God, open our eyes and open our hearts to your will and your way this morning. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Picture with me, if you would, just just humor me here. Picture your life, picture it as a yard. Your life is a yard. Now, if I could get most of you to be honest with me this morning, you'd have to admit that you like a good fence. People like a good fence. You want it around your yard. You want a fence around your life. And think of it this way. What you're comfortable with showing other people, what you're willing to let other people see about your life and experience with you, uh, things about you, that's your front yard. That's the show that you're putting on for everyone else. And what is it you do in the front yard? you got a picture of a front yard, nice and pristine. You, you keep it pristine. You want to hide the blemishes. You hide the imperfections in that front yard. You want to show off the front yard. You want to make it look good so when everybody comes by, they say, wow, that's a great place. All you want them to see is you want them to see this nice, neatly manicured, beautiful grass, the perfectly trimmed up bushes and shrubs, the beautifully arranged flowers that you have in your garden. Maybe a nice welcome at the front door. But, of course, that's for decorative purposes only. The front yard is what we show people in our lives. But how about the backyard now? That's a bit different, you see. The backyard, got a picture of a backyard there. I don't think that's Everett's house, but I got it from somewhere. That's the real us. And getting into the backyard of people's lives, that's by invitation only. Friends, here's typically what happens. You think, I'm going to build a fence because I'm really not sure I want you. I'm not really sure I want anyone to know what's going on with the real me, to know what's going on in my life. So we don't want to show them those parts of our life that aren't so pristine, that aren't so well-groomed about us, that aren't protected. So we hide them. I don't want you to step into dog piles in my life, all these issues and challenges and all the things I'm going through. I'm not sure I can sit down and have a meal with you. My backyard is private. My backyard is me. You see, everything in the front yard, everything in the front of the house, everything in that front yard is perfectly presented so that people could see it and you could put on a facade for them. But back behind the house, those areas behind those fences, that's where the true you resides. The backyard is the yard of our lives. And do you know why we're talking about fences today? And here's the deal with this. God's not a big fan of fences. He doesn't like fences. Now, before you take me too literally here, and he doesn't have a problem with a wooden or steel or plastic or some kind of metal fence around the yard at your house. So please don't go home today and start ripping down the fence at your house and say, well, pastor said that God doesn't like my fence, so I'm going to tear it down because I'm not supposed to have one. Because that's not at all. That's not what I'm saying, okay? So don't do that. However, as far as being in a relationship with God and being in community with each other here, God wants us to rethink our fences. Just know this. If you intend to love the church, this church, the way that God wants you to, the way that God wants us to do it, then we have to know this, that Jesus, that he crashed the fence. Before we even talk about the fence that we put up between us and people, we have to realize that <laughs> there's a fence that exists, a barrier between us and the one true God. 
The first part of our passage in Hebrews, it tells us this. Look again at verses 19 through 22. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here we see as the author, he's talking here about the fact that because of Jesus, because of what he did, now we have a way that we can come back to God. To give you a bit of a history on this, in the Old Testament, they used to build these places that they go, and and not just anyone back in those days could enter into the presence of God. Turn with me back just a a chapter here to Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verses 1 through 7. This is what it was like back in the Old Testament. It says, now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second place called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into that first section performing their ritual duties. But into that second, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. You see, back then it was only the high priest. He was the only one who could enter into the presence of God. It was a high priest who would go into that place called that Holy of Holies and he would make intercession for all of the people of Israel for their sins. But it was Jesus Christ. He came along and he smashed the fence. He smashed that fence that was between you and God and me and God. Look at it. If we continue on down, look at Hebrews chapter 9. You got to look at verses 11 and 12 here. It says, But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and the more perfect tent, not made with human hands, that is not this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places. Then it continues on down in verse 15. It says, Therefore he is the mediator of the new covenant. Then verse 25, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. To be honest with you all, I was tempted to bring in a sledgehammer this morning. I wanted to bring it in here and I just wanted to smash this fence right in front of you as just kind of a symbol of what Jesus did of that fence between us and God. But I'm still hoping one day that my trustees will build this fence over in the yard like they're supposed to. So I'm not going to smash it today because I'm hoping it gets done over there at some point. Now, because Jesus, because he is our high priest, and because he crashed the fence, the veil, it was separated between us and God, and we can now get to God, we're now able to confidently draw near to him. Crashing the fence for you and me is as easy as admitting that we need him. We need Jesus. We can't live life on our own. We'll never make it into his presence with this fence that's separating us and him. When we look at Paul's letter to the Romans, it gives us more details on this passage that we're looking at here in Hebrews. I'm going to quickly go through a few passages in Romans. Look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. Who has sinned? All have sinned, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is telling us here that we all have this giant fence that is between us and our God. Then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This verse tells us here that because of that fence that's between us and God, that we can never get to God. We can't get to him on our own. 
Romans 5.8 continues on. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What we see here is this. God knew. He knew we would have this big fence that was in place between us and him even before we had a yard around our life. Even before we were born. Look at Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. From the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul, what he's telling us here is this. If we would just admit that, yes, there's this fence, this fence between me and my God, and we need it torn down. And that Jesus, he came and he did what? He crashed that fence. He tore that fence down between us and God. Then Romans 10, 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What we see here is this. Jesus He never denies a fence-crashing job, ever. Church, we're born building fences, building walls, building structures, all designed to do what? It's to hide us, to protect us, to confine who we really are, which keeps us separated from God and from the others in our lives. We're born into this thing called sin. That's the first fence that everyone has in their life, a fence that keeps us from true community with God. Now, It's only when we admit our failing, when we realize and then we accept the fact that Jesus, that he died on the cross, he came and he crashed that fence, he knocked it down. Only because of that, we can have a relationship with God. And only because of that, we can truly be in community with our loving God. Have you ever drawn near to God? Have you ever acknowledged that Jesus, what he has done on the cross, and you've allowed him to come into your life, to come into your backyard of your life, not just the front yard, which you try to keep pretty and pristine and all that, but have you let Jesus into the backyard of your life, those things that you're trying to hide from everyone else? Realize that the barrier between you and Jesus, it has been crashed by what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. Surrender your life to him. Draw near to him in relationship. Draw close to him in community. Once you've realized, once you understand and you've accepted that Jesus has crashed the fence, then friends, it's time for you to understand that you need to allow others into your yard. That's our next point. We come to this building. We come here every Sunday. We sing songs. We teach from the Bible. We play games with our children. Sometimes, okay, oftentimes we eat because we're Baptists, right? And and we smile and we want to say good morning to everyone, but we do it where? From behind the fence in our life. We don't let people into the backyard. We're just doing it from the front yard. Now, I can just hear some people saying, well, hold on, Pastor Brad. I thought you said Jesus crashed the fence. Now you're telling me I've got this fence that's in front of me when I come in here every Sunday morning? Well, yes, Jesus did crash the fence for every single one of us. He broke down that fence. He made a way for us to have a fellowship with God. Okay, so how does this impact us? How does it impact the people here? The people, meaning us, plural. How does that impact us as a community of believers? Just imagine this with me, if you would. Imagine all of mankind. We're standing behind, say, a fence of sin. We're behind this fence of sin in our lives. And we're standing there, and it just all of a sudden crashes down because of what Jesus did in our lives, what he did on that cross. So when we draw near to God and become his follower, there are no fences anymore, which also means that there's no fence in existence, or I'm going to say there should be no fence. No fence at all that exists in the community of God within his church. There shouldn't be. But what is it that we do? We start picking up those wood pieces in our lives, and we start doing what? We start building the fence between us and God's people. 
between us and others. You see, even though Jesus, even though he has crashed our fence, we still want people to see only the pretty sides of our life, the front yard of our life. We don't want them to see our laundry, whether it's clean or dirty, hanging on the line in the back. So we keep building these walls. We keep very careful tabs on what parts of our life we allow people into, where they're allowed to walk, what they're allowed to see. And what we do is we want to keep these places private, other places in our lives private from other people. There's some, you could make a career out of this because you're so good at building fences. What was our big idea last week? Do you remember what it was? What was it? Loving the church means what? Loving the church means loving the people. Easy to say, right? Harder in practice. And there's some here, you, you just won't do it. Then what is it we were to do last week? What was it next thing? If we're going to truly experience loving the church, we must do what? It means we must have a habit of intentionally loving the church, this church. Christ's church. Now, just so we're clear, that's not loving the building, okay? It's not loving our programs. It's not loving the worship, though it's great. It's not loving our self-perceived status within the church. If we intentionally love the church, if we intentionally love Christ's church, it means we also are intentionally loving each other in the church. And loving each other is impossible to do when you're behind your fence. So what do we do? Understand, with the fences that all of us have erected, myself included, it's hard for us to truly get to know each other in the church the way that we're called to get to know each other. But thank goodness, you see, Paul, he gives us here the perfect prescription for overcoming that challenge. Look how Paul put it. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25 in our passage. He said, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We're not to neglect or forsake, as it says in some other translations, the assembling together, the gathering, the meeting of God's people together. I must confess, this passage is used by many preachers on Sunday mornings to try to guilt their congregants into coming to church every single Sunday. But in reality, and hopefully you'll learn something here this morning, is Paul really was talking about something much bigger than just coming to church on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, yes, that's very important. But you see, also, something's more important than Sunday. He's talking here about an everyday assembling. He's talking about living life together with each other. He's talking about living in community, his people living in community, caring for each other, understanding each other, and nurturing each other. Community means we don't build fences. Community means we head below the surface in our relationships with the people in the church. Community means authenticity in our relationships. It means that we're sharing ourselves with other people. It means a deeper relationship than we can have sitting in the pews here on a Sunday morning in this large room while I or maybe someone else speaks to you. Community means we're standing where? We're standing in someone else's backyard in the dirty part of their life, right along with them, allowing them to stand in yours and you're standing in theirs, helping you through those challenges and those times in life. Both of our dirty, stinky, unkempt yards, with all the toys strewn everywhere, with all the weeds that should be pulled, with a shed that desperately needs painting in our backyard. Have you ever seen the television show Home Improvement? It's been off for reviews. It's in reruns now. With Tim Allen. Anybody see that show before? Home Improvement? Yeah, we're dating ourselves, those of us that know it. But Tim's family, uh, the Taylors, they live next door to this man called Wilson. And as you can see up there, nearly the entire show, that's the picture. That's all they ever saw of Wilson, ever. Now, they lived next door to Wilson for years in this show, and that's all they ever saw from here on up. It's amazing how that's the same way with so many people in the church today. What might that look like for us? 
How about this? How about we sit in the pews with these people? Maybe we even serve up on a committee together. Maybe we enjoy a Bible study with one another. But in the end, you never see someone's whole face. They're hiding behind their fence. And you can't see everything that's going on in their life because they're trying to protect what's behind. In the end, you never see someone's whole face. You only get a glimpse of it from behind the fence of their life, that fence that they put up. You may see their face, maybe you don't, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. Because why? Because you have that fence between you. You can't embrace them during a family tragedy because you got this fence. He can't see what's happening between you when you and your wife, when you have another one of those spats because you got that fence between you and them. You see, a fence impedes true community among God's people. We have got to get into the yard to fully know somebody, not just the front yard, but also the backyard. Look at verse 25 again. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Whose yard are you in? Who are you allowing into your yard? Maybe this takes place for you through our Sunday evening or a Wednesday night small group meetings. Maybe for you it's getting engaged with one of our serving teams, whether it's cleaning the church or maybe helping us serve in the hospitality as we look to get that going on Sunday mornings. Maybe you're a part or you need to be a part of our women's ministry or our youth ministry. Maybe you've just allowed a few people just to peek past, to see a glimpse over your fence. But it hasn't been anything formal. No formal ministry in the church that you're part of, you're partaking in. I encourage you to join us every Sunday morning before service. To me, that's where true fellowship needs to occur. It's not during our meet and greet time. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a point in time where our meet and greet time is going to go away. Because fellowship should happen outside of the service. We're starting a hospitality area in the back. You will have some fresh brewed coffee back there. We have teas and hot chocolates. We have some wonderful pastry. Hannah, I've got to tell you, that lady can bake some goods. Oh, you need to come back there and start eating with us back there on Sunday morning. She's doing this just for us, and they're great. We're looking to do some more work back there. We want to make that a very relational space where we can sit down and we can talk and we can get to know each other and get behind those fences and break them down, build true community with each other. Look. If you're going to truly experience community, not just in the church, but also in life as God intended it, then you can't live your life. You can't live it hiding behind a fence because you'll never experience it back there. To truly love the church, you have to love someone in the church. This doesn't mean that every one of us, we're not going to all transform into these super social extroverts and just be a love fest on Sunday mornings. But what it does mean is you don't live in isolation. Community is someone standing in your yard and you standing in someone else's yard. You stand in someone else's yard and then you enjoy the company. Imagine being a kid. You go to a birthday party and the host didn't plan a single thing for this birthday party. Maybe there's a bag of chips, plain old bag of chips on the table. Maybe there's a a thing of stale Kool-Aid that's there. But that's it. That's all they provided for this party for you. There's no games. There's no desserts. There's no face painting. There's no pin the tail on the donkey. There's nothing going on at the party. Now, that would be what? One boring, dull party, wouldn't it? You would leave that place thinking, that party was for the dogs. Man, that was stupid. They didn't even try to have a decent party. Paul says what in verse 24? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To consider here is to contemplate. It's to strategize. Think of it as planning a successful birthday party. Living life in one another's backyards. Living without the fences between our lives and the front and the backyard of our lives is not only intentionally, but you must also do it strategically. Community is finding a way to encourage one another to what did the scripture say? Love and good deeds. 
It's going beyond church programming. It's going beyond just the sermons that we hear on Sunday mornings. It's seeing beyond the walls, beyond the fences that we've built in our lives and offering to help paint the shed in someone else's backyard. Maybe help pull the weeds in their backyard. Or maybe just babysit their children when they need them to be babysat. It's bringing a meal to someone in times of a crisis. It's having that go-to number in your cell phone where your car breaks down on the highway. It's knowing who to call when you want to go out on a double day. It's inviting someone over for dinner. It's teaming up with other people when we have a church service project and working alongside of your friends. According to Paul, it's enjoying one another. It's helping one another to enjoy serving Jesus in the time that we have left here on earth. And the thing is, these things don't happen automatically. They're not just going to happen just because you want them to happen. Let me suggest some points here of strategy for all of us, all of our church family here this morning. First is this, have healthy expectations. Let me start with what's not healthy expectations. An unhealthy expectation is that we will all know everyone, every single person here, that we're all going to be best friends, we're all going to be chummy chummy, everyone here, that's not realistic. A healthy expectation would be that we can build some connections within the church throughout the family, some great friendships with a few, and some deeper relationships with even a fewer people. These will all take time, but we have to have a healthy goal in mind as we do it. Next, we must realize that baby steps are okay. Let's be clear. Living without fences doesn't mean that you're going to let every single person into the more personal parts of your life especially the first day that you meet them, or maybe soon after they violated some kind of trust in your life. That's not the goal of this in any sense. At first, maybe you'll be hanging out with them in the front yard with these people. Maybe you'll invite them back, let them come into the living room of your life. Maybe you'll have a meal with them, and then it'll take time. Understand, it's okay if it takes time for you to build a lasting relationship. Understand, you won't let everyone in. There's some that don't warrant that level of trust in your life. But understand this, you do need to work towards letting someone in. And as you're going through this process, you must next take some ownership. You must realize this is everyone's job. Not as what we like to do many times, well, that's everyone else's job. No, it's everyone's job. All of us. We all need to work at it. If you're sitting down waiting for someone to come up to you, then I'm going to tell you right now, you're sitting in the wrong spot. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest and and 10 being the highest, and let's be honest here, how much effort are you putting into connecting with God's people, with each other here? How much of an effort are you doing? What would you need to do to raise that number by one or just one or two levels within the next week? What could you do just to do that? As we leave this morning, all I want to do is I want to encourage you. Encourage you to love your church. Know that Jesus, he has crashed the fence in your life, the fence between you and God. Allow someone into your backyard. Enjoy the company while they're there. Start now and consider how you can be connected with one another for encouragement and for growth. Let me just close with this. We're exhorted in this scripture as believers to consider. That's what it says in verse 24. We're to consider. It means to give attention to one another. It means to give continuous care to one another. To watch over one another. That's what we're to do as Christ's people. How different would this church be? How much stronger would we be in Christ and in life if we simply did that? This simply means that we're considerate of one another that we show concern for one another, that we meet one another's needs when they come up. 
that we strengthen one another's weaknesses when we see them, that we help one another through every trial and every temptation that they are going through in life. It means that we love and understand love in action, not just in where we don't just say it, we do it, we show it to the other people, that we feed the poor, we visit the sick and the shut-in, we look after the orphans and the children that are in broken homes or single-parent homes, we become a friend to the lonely, we give direction to the empty and those that are living without purpose. And we must continue to assemble together. Genuine believers. Understand, we need each other. We need each other. We need the presence. We need the fellowship. We need the strength and the encouragement. We need the love that each other provides us every time we gather. So ask yourself, as you give a personal account to God of your faith, and answer him honestly, because understand, he already knows. He already knows the answer to this question, so don't lie to him. Church, friends, how are you doing? How are you doing at loving this church, loving Christ's church, this church. Are you loving his people? Are you loving your fellow worshipers at this church? Because remember, loving the church means loving the people. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know you'll be blessed and thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast and have a blessed day.